G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. What are the implications of either Trump or Clinton winning the presidency? How do we think of the election of the leader of the free world as a Christian believer? What do you think about the presidential debate that some of us watched yesterday And what do you think of the positions of the candidates from a biblical Christian standpoint? We are going to discuss some of these issues over this coming hour ahead. And two special guest commentators to participate in our U.S. election commentary. Bill Muhlenberg, who's our regular for a Friday on our Culture Watch segment, and another well-known name, Dr. Camille Magdaly, who you'll know from our Faith and the Future segment each day here on 2020. Both to you, Bill, and to Camille Magdaly, welcome along to 2020. Great to be with you. Thanks, Neil. Let me come to you first, Bill Muhlenberg, and we'll get our conversation underway. Let me ask you about the value of Christian commentary when it comes to a U.S. federal election. Here we are in Australia, and both of you gentlemen, both Bill and Camille, American-born, uh, lived a long time in Australia, have a great grip on a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, and looking at global trends of things that are going on. How valuable, Bill Muhlenberg, the idea of Christians uh, bringing commentary to an election like the U.S. election? Well, something like this is uh, obviously going to impact every single one of us. We speak about the leader of the free world and uh, what an American president does will usually filter through and have an impact on certainly a country like Australia, but much of the world. So anybody who uh, is a Christ follower who wants to see the lordship of Christ extended to every area of life, who seeks to be salt and light as we're commanded to be, well, we have to have an interest in the political affairs and the social and the cultural affairs that uh, have an impact on all of us. And as we've seen lately, more and more uh, anti-Christian laws and policies are being passed. So that's, if nothing else, kind of a a selfish reason, if you will, to want to be very interested in and uh, following something as vitally important as the American presidential election. Camille Magdaly, when you get such an election like the one that's coming, it's historic. Uh, It'll lead the United States in perhaps a different direction than it's currently going. And as a follower of world trends, uh, it's obviously important when we bring a Christian commentary to these things because the outcome will be very significant. Well, it is an extremely important election and... Excuse me. It's also a very unusual election. In fact, I, I don't know. Bill may agree with me, but it's probably the most unusual, unusual election we've ever seen in our lifetime. And <laughs> so, uh, it is absolutely crazy. And I believe part of it is the what we call populism. And it's not just Donald Trump representing populism, 
where the people are basically telling the elites, we're not listening to you, we're going to do what we want because the mainstream politicians aren't listening anymore. It didn't just happen with Trump. It also happened on the other side with Bernie Sanders. So and these two guys aren't even unique. It's happening in Europe as well. And the Brexit vote also could be argued as a populist revolt. When we talk about a populist revolt, uh, your thoughts, Bill Muhlenberg, uh, that people may not necessarily be going along with the party line on either side. Uh, Your thoughts, Bill? Oh, that's right. People are fed up with both major parties, and that's true here in Australia as well. We're seeing that over and over again. The two main parties seem to be growing more distant, more unrepresentative and more out of touch with ordinary voters. So um, in that sense, we can understand the populist uprising, if you will. I guess my concern as a biblical Christian is uh, populism in itself, if it's not grounded in principle, if it's not grounded in spiritual and biblical truths, well, we can simply end up with the mob, right? We can end up with another uh, French Revolution where the masses took to the streets, kings were beheaded, and uh, churches were gutted. That was a type of populism. That was uh, anger at the system, at the establishment, but because it wasn't based on biblical values and principles, it ended up being the rule of the mob, and plenty of people died as a result. So that's my fear here that uh, while there are certainly principled uh, supporters of both contenders, uh, you have a lot of people who are simply fed up. They're angry. They say, we're not going to take this anymore, and it doesn't matter. And and if there has to be, there'll be blood on the streets. That's really what I kind of fear could happen uh, with this election. There's a lot of anger, a lot of people fed up, feeling like they're not being heard. So the wrong way to go, of course, is simply to end up with the mob Let's talk about blood on the streets for a few moments and not that we'd be encouraging anything along those lines but Camille Magdaly, as a student of history as you are and of global trends uh, and an understanding of Western democracy, the Christian foundations that have been part of that, part of that would be the fact that we've had the ability to have peaceful elections, peaceful transitions of power in Western nations that have had uh, Christian-founded uh, democracies, uh, as people tend to move away from that a little bit, any thoughts about a potential for violence on the streets after an election that may not go the way that American people might like? That's a good question. And, of course, at the end of the day, only God knows for sure. But, first of all, America and Australia do have some differences. Australia's domestic history has been far more stable, in my opinion, and transitions in government the same than in America. No, normally American transitions in government are smooth. But just remember, in 1860, Abraham Lincoln won the election, and look what happened. (laughs) Eleven states of the South seceded from the Union, and there was a blood-filled civil war. That's, of course, extreme, but but it did happen. There's also differences like, I don't know, for example, Bill may have some interesting insight here, Americans are far more highly armed than we would have in Australia, and where I have a loved one in a particular state, in fact, it's Idaho, and I mean, it just seems like everybody in Idaho has a gun, everybody in Texas has a gun. That doesn't mean they're going to go out in the streets and start shooting people, Uh, but the thing is, the danger we may face, okay? I'm not saying this will happen. We pray it doesn't. 
But there's been a lot of polarization in the political arena in the U.S. for years. I would say probably from the days of Bill Clinton and the early 90s, the polarization, angry people feeling disenfranchised, always whoever is in charge, they're angry. It's either with Clinton or Bush the second, or even with Obama. And the polarization continues even now to this current election that people would take to the streets and, and start shooting. I don't think that's an immediate prospect. But if anything extreme were to happen, you know, there's all kinds of conspiracy theorists that say Obama's going to do this just for the election, or if it doesn't go his way, he'll, you know, declare martial law or this. I, you know, we hear this almost now every election. And if the conspiracy, conspiracy theorists actually happen to be right for once, that could tip off something. But I don't even know if it would be mass or just localized. But it is worth praying about. And I do urge people to pray for this election because, as Bill rightly said, it does concern the whole world, not just the United States. Bill Muhlenberg, let's talk about the spirituality of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And uh, we've talked about these sorts of things in some earlier commentaries that we've done, but it bears uh, repeating uh, some of the uh, same sentiments about these two because... Uh, as we know, and as listeners will be aware, uh, Donald Trump uh, ascending to the leadership of uh, the Republican Party, and ordinarily there's a strong faith element to that. Uh, that's a little bit missing in this particular election. Uh, your thoughts on the spirituality of those two front runners, Bill? Well, there's no question that to get elected just about anywhere in the U.S., you have to at least feign some kind of uh, Christianity. I mean, uh, that's uh, despite how secular the U.S. is becoming, it's still almost a given that you have to uh, pay lip service to the Christian faith. So Hillary has done that, you know, claiming to be a Christian, despite all the evidence. But, of course, Trump, too, is, well, he's not saying it so much. It's more his really eager fans who are saying it on his behalf. Oh, he's a Christian, and, you know, this is, this is great stuff. Well, as John the Baptist said, we have to bring forth fruits of repentance, uh, Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. Paul said we should uh, be evidence in our lives of the fruit of the Spirit. So I've uh, written a piece recently on this issue, Is Trump a Christian? And uh, at this point, we see no biblical evidence to support that claim. You know, we pray daily. I do. I pray for both. I don't just pray that Trump might get saved radically and wonderfully. I pray that Hillary Clinton will as well. And uh, if neither one will go down that path, I think it's also a biblical prayer to say that God would remove them from their place of power and influence. So at the moment, I'd say we got zero uh, spirituality with either candidate. But having said that, I've often said that I would rather have a a man who may not be a Christian who or a woman um, who is filled with integrity, who runs on principle and value, uh, being a political leader than having, uh, you know, a Christian who may not have those qualities. So um, just because you're a Christian doesn't make you an a ideal candidate for president any more than it makes you, say, an ideal uh, football player or violinist. So I'll, I'll take a non-Christian if there's genuine values and integrity there. 
but sadly I don't see that in either of the current candidates. So there's a political propaganda machine that wants both those leading candidates to look Christian. But what you're saying, Bill, is there's a lack of fruit on both sides. Camille, anything to add to the concept of the spirituality of these leaders? Yes, I, uh, I'm i a little more cautious <laughs> in assessing anybody's spirituality, particularly a public figure. Hillary Clinton has been in the American spotlight for nearly 25 years. And even from the earliest days, like, I mean, like the first time the Clintons ran for office, 1992, they were quietly laying out their Christian credentials. And one thing I remember reading about her, and she was, I don't even know if she, they were elected yet or just newly in the White House, but the talk was she's a Methodist. She carries a New Testament, and back in the year 2000, she reminded everyone that she's a praying woman. And just this year, her daughter Chelsea said, oh, people don't understand, my mother is a woman of great faith, all right? This is what they say. Obviously, Bill is, rightly says we have to look for fruit, but to be honest, in a public figure, that's not so easy to come by. This, then there's Donald Trump. Donald Trump has been a Presbyterian all his life. He's been actually, I think, a member of the same Presbyterian church in Long Island or somewhere in New York all his life. And then the the word was out that an evangelist led him to Christ And uh, of recent years. Like Bill, we have to be pragmatic, really, because sometimes just being a nice Christian person doesn't always help them it may help with the character issue, and I'm very, very strong on the character issue. But we live in a fallen world, too. And, for example, we had Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter, 40 years ago, proclaimed himself to, for the whole world to hear that he was born again. Now, we never heard that, ever, until Jimmy Carter. And Jimmy Carter got elected in 1976 as the born-again candidate. But... The usual consensus on Jimmy Carter is that he may have been born again. We don't, you know, that's fine. We'll take him at his word. But he wasn't deemed as a very effective president whatsoever. In fact, he laid the room for Ronald Reagan to take over. Ronald Reagan was a Christian. Clearly, I mean, he clearly had a Christian background, and he wasn't doing anything particularly unchristian, except he didn't go to church very often, and he had a rabbit's foot. So, (laughs) and yet he was deemed, how should we say, a very successful president. We, We need competence. We need character. We desperately need both. And even if the character isn't pristine, shiny, pure, at least somebody who will be honest, somebody who will keep their word, and somebody who actually knows what they're doing and is good for the country. Let's talk about some of the impressions that both of you gentlemen, Bill Muhlenberg and Dr. Camille Magdaly, that you might have from yesterday's debate that many Australians watched live on our televisions, as many people around the world would have watched, the final debate in the lead-up to the presidential election. Uh, Overall impressions, Bill Muhlenberg, as you saw some of the elements of the debate, people were talking about uh, Donald Trump being a little more presidential-looking in this one, and it wasn't uh, filled with all of the animosity that the earlier debate was filled with. Uh, Bill, your overall impressions? 
Well, uh, my impressions would, of course, differ from the uh, the uh, supporters. The Clinton followers would say she handily won all three debates. The Trump supporters would say he, of course, won all three. Uh, I think the truth is uh, somewhere in between. Uh, he started off all right on uh, the third debate. Uh, unfortunately, as he's wont to do, he pretty much undid everything he tried to do by concluding with his now infamous remarks that he wouldn't necessarily abide by the election results. Namely, if he didn't win, he uh, wouldn't necessarily go with it. So um, we talked earlier about a smooth transition in at least American elections to say that you uh, may not uh, go with the will of the people. That's uh, quite an ominous thing to even suggest. Now, mind you, uh, we certainly are not naive here. Um, last election, as an example, I think there was quite real clear cases of voter fraud. Um, you know, the horror stories of Democrats who had long died voting and voting again. And so voter fraud is a real issue. And if it's taking place, it certainly needs to be investigated and needs to be dealt with. And I can see the despair that many Americans may have. So um, it's, again, Trump is often his own worst enemy in these areas when he just can't help uh, sticking his foot in his mouth and, uh, you know, turning more people off. Camille said this is perhaps one of the most bizarre, unusual elections in maybe American history. I think he's quite right. I'd, I'd put it this way. We have probably a majority of people who will vote grudgingly for Hillary for the simple reason that they can't stand Trump. And we have a majority of people who will grudgingly vote for Trump because they can't stand Hillary, right? In other words, we have the two most uh, unpopular, disliked, and probably uh, dishonest candidates running ever. And it's not so much a question of people voting for who they like, uh, but voting against the one they dislike the most. So it really is a fairly sad situation uh, with the current crop of candidates. And because of so much unrest, the question has to be asked, how will Christian voters in America cast their vote? Uh, thoughts from you, Camille Magdaly. Uh, you're an American. Both of you are Americans. How do you perceive the way Christians will vote, given the character of the two front-runner leaders? Camille, your thoughts on how Christian voters might cast their vote? <laughs> well, America's a mixed bag when it comes to Christianity. It does have a high Christian content, or shall we say population. It depends how you want to uh, label them. Generically, as Christian doesn't take into account that, of course, there's a lot of people who I guess Bill and I would call the liberals, and there's, of course, many who would be called evangelicals, but even evangelicals now, because there is less and less emphasis on the Word of God, and more and more emphasis on being culturally relevant, even evangelicals could lightly mirror some of the positions of, say, a liberal Christian. But let's just, let's just, not pretend, let's just assume that we're dealing with evangelicals who are meant to be in the tens of millions. My understanding is that it's really a tough call because, well, for example, I believe in the last election you had a Barack Obama and a Mitt Romney. And probably many of those Christians are saying, 
I don't know who to vote for. I don't like President Obama's, I don't like mean, his policies. They're just too far to the left and all that. But Mitt Romney's a Mormon. And because he's a Mormon, they, they, they didn't really like to vote for him either. I still remember a blog that Bill wrote <laughs> at that time. You're not voting for a theologian-in-chief. <laughs> You're voting for a commander-in-chief. So sometimes there's too much idealism, and therefore, because they don't get the ideal candidate. I mean, this is what's so bizarre of the previous election, 2012, against an incumbent Barack Obama, is that for the first time, I think, in history, the U.S. Republican Party, which is sort of like the equivalent of our uh, liberal national party here in Australia, the Republican Party nominees, neither of them were a Protestant, which is unheard of. I mean, I mean, it was a big deal when Kennedy, the Catholic, ran for president, but to actually have a conservative party not even having a Protestant candidate, one was a Mormon and one was a Catholic, it was, again, I guess we were starting to head into bizarre or unconventional territory. So to sum it up, Neil, probably the average evangelical or Bible-believing Christian uh, would probably resonate more for Trump because the platform of the Republican Party still is strongly conservative. It's pro-life, it's pro-family, it's pro-future, it's pro-God, you know, this kind of thing. And, and if they vote for Trump, if they somehow vote for Trump, they may do so holding their nose. Bill Muhlenberg, your thoughts on how American voters might vote, because voting is non-compulsory in the U.S., and I imagine that if there are Christian voters, they might decide not to turn out and vote at all. Mm. Yes, well, sadly, that is the case. I think we had something like 35 million evangelicals at the last federal election staying home instead of voting had even a, a good fraction of those came out and done, in my mind, what would have been the more obvious choice back then, uh, Obama would not have gotten the second term. So I'm afraid it's going to be the same thing. I think a great bulk of evangelicals are obviously uh, not going to run with Hillary Clinton, one of the most evil and pro-abortion, pro-homosexuality, you name the issue. She's uh, She is you know, an untouchable when it comes to biblical values. However, we have somebody in Trump who uh, is a lifelong liberal, has been supporting the Democrats, been a good buddy of the Clintons for years. So all of a sudden, he's claiming now to be a Republican and a conservative, which he really isn't. Uh, it makes it really hard. Of course, as I've said often before, we don't have just two choices. There are plenty of other parties fielding candidates. You can do write-in candidates in most states. So it's not as if we only have these two options. People can vote for their conscience. They can vote for who they think is a principled person. Um, you know, we can argue about, yeah, but they may not get in. Well, sometimes doing what's right, sometimes standing with biblical values, is more important than mere political pragmatism and expediency. Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch is with us. So is Dr. Camille Majdali. And you'll know Camille from our Faith and the Future program and, of course, his recent Australia-wide tour, Understanding the Times. Uh, Bill and Camille, before we take any calls, let me just move us to one of the big challenges here. Uh, the idea of the greatness of a nation. You've got Donald Trump promising to make America great again. You've got the Clinton side of the campaign saying, what are you saying, that America is not great? 
Uh, Camille, if I come to you first, uh, the greatness of a nation, how important is that in the minds of American people? Well, that's a good question, Neil. I believe there is this notion of what is called American exceptionalism. And don't ask me to explain it except this way. I mean, it's very involved, but it has to do with a unique calling and destiny. It's not only America that has that notion. Other countries do, too. I think Britain is another one. But the idea is that somehow there is a God factor. Many of the early colonists came for religious reasons to colonize America or to obtain religious freedom. And, of course, it was the first great experiment in constitutional democracy and and so on and freedom it's you know so all that was good and then of course there were the not just the explorers but the pioneers that went westward because it was their manifest destiny to go west to basically spread the blessing around so basically making america great is not just that america has a lot of achievements to it whether it's victories in world wars or technological achievements or a powerful economy. It also has to do with the moral temperature as well. There was a famous quote from a Frenchman named Alexis de Tocqueville back in, I believe, the 1830s or 40s in his landmark book called Democracy in America. Now, I know that was a long time ago, and he's not even American, but he came as an outsider. He was obviously impressed with what he saw, one person quoted him as saying he was impressed because the pulpits in America were on fire for God. But the quote I never forgot is he said, America is great. And this is long before it's a superpower, but it was probably the only functioning democracy in the world at that time. He said, America is great because America is good. But if America stops being good, it'll stop being great. And to make America great again is not just that it continues to have a great economy or uh, technological achievements or somehow advances freedom in the world, to be great, it needs to also live up to the high standards that it basically represented to the world. And failure to do that, and of course we've had a 50-year-old culture war trying to absolutely tear down those standards, if that doesn't happen, America can never be great, no matter how big the economy is or how strong the military. Let me ask you, Bill Muhlenberg, as someone who is a culture watcher, uh, when you think of all of those elements of greatness having been torn down, as Camille is describing, uh, what are your thoughts on the greatness of America and the connection to God? Well, Camille was quite right. In fact, I wrote an article just yesterday on this very matter, and I quoted that very quote. The only uh, thing I would say is evidently it's been attributed to de Tocqueville, but we've never actually been able to find it in his writings. But still, it's a terrific quote, and it's 100% true. Uh, America without greatness, that is real goodness, moral integrity, character, value, principle, uh, is not going to survive. And that's, uh, that was a consistent voice of the founding fathers. They all said this without morality, without spirituality, without God, without prayer, without character, this American experiment will not succeed. They were almost one in pointing out the the importance of not just building walls or getting the uh, current account deficit into order. They were convinced that uh, 
unless we had leadership and a people of integrity who uh, let God be the deciding vote in things, uh, America wouldn't last. And I think that's exactly what we now see. Uh, we see America unraveling. It had a wonderful Christian beginning, and, you know, as an American, it grieves me deeply to see how far we've moved from our roots. And uh, when we get two candidates, whose last two weeks we can only say who was the greater sexual assaulter or abuser. I mean, <laughs> it grieves my heart, and it grieves the heart of God. Uh, so in my piece yesterday, I looked at history. We have to have the big picture. Augustine, of course, the famous bishop of Hippo in North Africa, uh, witnessed the fall of Rome in his lifetime. It was, you know, unheard of, the eternal city taken over by the Visigoths. And how could this be? Is this the end of Rome? Is this the end of Christianity? And Augustine wrote a whole book called The City of God, saying, look, there's man's temporal city and power structures. They will come and go. But there's God's eternal home which cannot be shaken, and that's the one we have to put our faith in. So while I grieve greatly and pray daily for America, the land that I grew up in, um, at the moment oh, I can only cry out to God and say, Lord, have mercy. Your just judgment is certainly deserved. And if the only way we can look at this mess of an election is to say, this is your judgment on America because of its sin, its rebellion, its immorality, well, let it be so. I pray for revival. I pray for mercy. But I shouldn't uh, expect that America any longer deserves this. We're taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take one. Tony is in Melbourne. Hello, Tony. Welcome along to 2020. How are you? Very well, Tony. What are your thoughts on our conversation about the U.S. election? <laughs> Confused, but um, aware of what's happening. Um, what I think about... American election is if they could do something like Australian has done over the years, but Australia's got a long time to go, of course, but they could do something like Australia, kind of following Australia's footsteps in comedy-wise, but we're about, I think, about $8 million billion in debt, but I don't know how much it can be. America is. I imagine, in my mind, that they're a lot more in debt than they let out to be because all the famine or wars and what they had to do with the military and all everything they have to do is the thing that they're doing is they're kind of they're closing their eyes and they're kind of clapping their hands at the same time, if you know what I mean. Like, in other words, they're, they're saying, well, we can do this, we can do that, but what are they really going to do? And I don't think anybody in the country of America knows what to do, or in the world knows what to do about world government or, or the superpower of so-called Americans. I think what they should do is they could get together and get other candidates and, and kind of... Unfortunately, I can't belong until about the 27th, is it, the next month? Uh, sorry? You, is it about the 27th, the next no, month? No, it's coming up, uh, the, the election's uh, uh, early November. So, yeah, uh, 27th, the next month, yeah. yeah. Anyways, but you're talking about uh, debt here, I think, and uh, uh, debt and economy. Uh, any thoughts from you, uh, Bill Muhlenberg, first? Well, your caller is quite right. Uh, no country can sustain... Uh, out-of-control debt, and America's in the trillions of dollars of debt. Australia is not in a good place either. So no uh, modern nation can long survive that. It really is the end of a country when you just allow this to spiral out of control. But as Camille and I have both been saying, even more important, 
than a current accounts deficit is the spiritual deficit, the moral deficit. When people abandon God or tell God to get lost, shake their fist at the Almighty and say, we can run our own affairs, we will make America great again, thanks, but we don't really need your help. Uh, that is much, much worse than the economic crisis that America and the West is facing. And no country can last long there as well. The Bible is quite clear on this. We have the whole Old Testament narrative of Israel and the nations. And sadly, we're seeing it uh, being repeated right before our very eyes. Thank you to Tony from Melbourne for your call. Let's take another call. Chris is in Victoria also. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Good day, Neil. Uh, yeah, I just want to say, again, I've, I've said it before, that everybody claims to be a Christian, but uh, a real Christian, that how you distinguish them if, is they say that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is God, and uh, he's the only way to God. Otherwise, they're not Christians. And Hillary, you know, Jezebel, Pandora, Clinton, well, she's so evil. I mean, her and Barack Obama's policies have caused... Uh, death and torture and rape to so many Christians in the Middle East. They're against the Jews. Uh, they found a way to support Jewish terrorism through World Vision. Uh, all these sort of things. I mean, she will take America to nuclear Armageddon. At least uh, Trump is trying to make friends with Russia, which will be the you know person uh, country that could destroy them. Uh, he's friends with Israel. He's making overtures to Israel. So I see him, you know, as. The lesser of two evils, put it that way. Okay. Uh, thoughts from Camille Magdalene on what Chris is sharing? Okay, well, there are all kinds of issues involving the two candidates, and Hillary represents the what they call the progressive side. So does Barack Obama. The progressivism basically is another name for the, the left-wing politics. And it uh, the thing is, a vote for Hillary would be like a continuation of the Obama administration with their own with her own style of course she of course she does have uh, what's the term she does have the experience of working with her husband they called it a co-presidency in the 1990s her her advocates are saying she's not wild and radical like you think she's actually moderate and all that but um, i don't know the the thing is it, it it would be pretty much like having a third term for the Obama administration. Donald Trump, people seem to not realize, especially in Australia, because uh, unlike America, which actually has you know media like Fox News and, and others, where there it's not a single leftist voice in Australia, we don't have that. So the media is consistently anti-Trump and feeding that kind of diet. I think it's very important to be objective. It's very important to have the facts. We don't gloss over shortcomings and likes. So the thing is what people should realize is that why did Trump get into the position of Republican nominee? One of the reasons, first, is because he says exactly what he thinks, and people appreciate the honesty. The second, he apparently has plans. It's not just you know feisty bulldog rhetoric. He has plans for the economy for immigration and for uh, defense, national defense, and so on. There is actually a choice. It's just that both candidates are not popular, and part of it, again, is a media thing. I don't, I don't normally make it my habit to beat up on the media. Bill's much better at that than I am. But, but it is interesting how they are very selective 
what they choose to hone in on. And that does not help. That does not help democracy. Just lay the facts out. Let the people decide. That is the best way. Bill Muhlenberg, Chris from Victoria uses that terminology, the lesser of two evils, uh, when he's talking about uh, which candidate might get up and suggesting that Trump might be a lesser of two evils. Your thoughts on evils as those who are candidates for leadership? Well, it's a good point. It's been raised uh, probably eight trillion times now, especially by the Trump supporters. It's a much uh, maligned and abused phrase, to my way of thinking. Uh, And we've already talked about the previous election, so we could go back there. As Camille rightly said, uh, for some dumb reason, millions of evangelical Americans did not vote for Mitt Romney, even though he was a fairly solid conservative, pro-family, pro-faith, pro-life in many respects, simply because he was not an evangelical, they didn't vote for him, and Obama got back in. Now, in that election, 2012, I think we really did have, you could talk about the lesser of two evils. You know, I'm not a fan of Mormon theology, obviously, but I didn't think he was going to bring his Mormon teaching into the White House. He can't, (laughs) constitutionally. So the issue is, here we had a man of integrity, a man who is uh, pro-family and all the rest, versus the evil Obama that we already knew about. So there we had a clear choice. There we did have one evil, and the other, I think, was nowhere near. Uh, In my books, in this election, I think we do have two evil candidates. As I said, Trump has spent his life on the liberal side of politics. He's spent much of his life as a Democrat, much of his life financially supporting and chumming up with the Clintons. And now, all of a sudden, he's supposed to be our messiah. He's supposed to undo everything Obama and Clinton has done. Uh, I just don't have enough faith to be a Trump supporter. So in good conscience, I can't support him either. So here, I think we do have a case where we really do have two fairly evil candidates. Neither one are qualified to be president of the United States. And barring a miracle from God, some kind of intervention, uh, I'm a bit gloomy about uh, America's future, at least for the short term. Thanks so much to Chris from Victoria for your call. Let's take one more call from Jonathan in Perth in WA. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome along. Yeah, thank you. Jonathan, your thoughts? Yes, my, 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 my thought is that, you know, as we're looking at the two candidates that are going on in America, uh, according to the guy who talked just now, and uh, you asked him, you know, he talked about two evil ones. So I think the whole election is to be in the hand of God. Christians should pray instead of boosting or another other person, and, and Donald Trump is going to bring financial and, and freedom in America, this and that. All those things they're talking, I don't know where they get it from. Whether they're reading the Bible correctly or what is what is what the quoting, they they want prosperity and there's no prosperity in the whole world without God. If a nation denies God, how are you expecting to prosper? Jonathan, great thoughts there, and let's pick up on one of those with Camille, uh, the idea of uh, the need to pray. If you've got two candidates who are in this category of evil, the outcome is going to be purely on what God's will might be done. Uh, Your thoughts, Camille? Well, I've been saying for a long time, and I will happily say it again, that ultimately the solution for the challenges facing the U.S., Australia, 
and so on is not an election. What it is is a revival. And revival is possible, and revival does make a difference, but you don't get it sitting in front of a plasma TV with folded arms. You get it by diligently seeking God. First, or Second Chronicles 7.14 is the classic verse on revival, that if God's people will humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways, God will hear them from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. So really, for the church, the salt of the earth and the light of the world, because of what we're seeing going on in America and elsewhere, this should really be a clarion call to go boldly into the throne of grace and seek God till he rains down grace and mercy on us. I'm not an alarmist, but I do believe God allows things to happen like this, where decent people are very disconcerted at what they see on the political scene. But the fact is, God has provided a way of escape. It is up to us to use it. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Well, only time for a final thought from our guests, Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch and Dr. Camille Majdali from Faith and the Future and Teach All Nations. As we just draw some loose ends together here, uh, first of all to you, Bill Muhlenberg, uh, a final thought on, on how the outcome might unfold in two weeks. Well, I think Camille wonderfully uh, said it all in his last remark. Without repentance, without revival, I think America is toast. Trump will not and cannot make America great again. Neither will Hillary Clinton. They're both just going to drag it further into the mud. I think it was John Calvin who said, God gives us the leaders that we deserve. And at the moment, America deserves Clinton and Trump. So they are not going to get us out of the mess we're in unless we get on our faces before God and repent and seek his face. And again, this begins with the church. We can't keep blaming the secular culture around us. The church in America and the West has allowed all this to happen. So it's up to us to uh, make things right. And until we do, uh, we're just chasing uh, dreams and wisps of smoke if we think we can turn America around. And Camille Majdali, a final thought from you on how you think the outcome might eventuate in a couple of weeks' time. Well, for the th- three thoughts. If you just go by the pollsters and punsters, then Hillary Clinton would be getting in. Not by a landslide. She's had the money. She's had the media behind her. She's had all this. And there was apparently some concern that she didn't have even greater polar ratings with all her... Uh, advantages. There is always the possibility of an upset. We've seen it last year three times in national elections. We saw it in the Brexit vote in the UK. So there is that possibility too, especially if the Clinton camp becomes overconfident or somehow really stumbles big time, and even the media can't cover up for that. Anything like that's possible. But can I just say that it is behooves Australian Christians First, to take an interest in this election, even though it's not an Australian election, but it does affect Australia. It affects everyone. And frankly, I don't think uh, Australian Christians have to be prodded. I've, I've found everybody, wherever I went across this country, is interested. But the other thing is back to my point. We should pray for God's will to be done as his kingdom comes. If the result is not to our liking, 
let's just remember God is still on the throne, and let's trust him that somehow, some way, whoever is in power, we do have to trust that God is in charge and he is sovereign, that he will use that situation for the betterment of his kingdom. But that will also, it will help greatly if Christians pray that, again, his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, we have run out of time. It's been a great conversation. And thank you so much to Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch and Dr. Camille Majdali from Teach All Nations. Uh, just to mention that both of our guests today, Bill Muhlenberg, is a prolific blogger on all sorts of issues. And you can read a lot of great commentary on his website. Simply Google Culture Watch or go to BillMuhlenberg.com. And also uh, Dr. Camille Majdali has a fabulous a newsletter that uh, looks at, at global trends and uh, you'll be able to access his newsletter if you go online at the Teach All Nations uh, website. So simply Google Teach All Nations, Dr. Camille Majdali. Both you, Bill, and to Camille, thanks so much for taking time uh, to share your thoughts with us today here on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Thank you, Neil, as well. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.